Our guest this week is former Army officer and West Point graduate Frank Scapatici, who got his start in real estate with a single-family rental he bought off the MLS in Killeen, Texas. Since that time, he and his partners at Gray Line Investments have turbocharged a home buying system that is closing on up to 30 deals a month and is primarily focused around towns with military bases. We talk about why he and his team have decided to focus on towns with military bases, how they're marketing to up to 200,000 potential sellers per month, the various ways they're acquiring those properties, the various exit strategies they're using to sell them, and the training that he and his team took that he says has led them to scale so quickly. I'm Neil Henderson, and this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Frank Scapatici, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's pleased to make your acquaintance here. Uh, so, you know, we were chatting a little bit uh, before we got started. You're connected to our our, our mutual friend, Aaron Helley, uh, your former military, your former West Point. Um, can you give us, give our audience a quick sort of rundown about uh, your background and how you ended up in real estate? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I, uh, I'm an army officer or a former army officer. That was, uh, my first career that I had, um, after graduating college, like you mentioned, um, I went to West Point. So I had about nine years all in of, of, uh, military training and experience. I got out of the army in 2014, 15, and I started working in financial services. And around that time, I also got married soon after that, I had a kid and I woke up one day and I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I haven't really been doing a great job with my investments. So I'm going to start looking at ways to generate some passive income. Um, so somewhere around two to three years ago, I bought my first single family rental um, then quickly followed it up with a duplex. And then really over the last six to 12 months, I, I just got like this bug where I was like, man, like I, I enjoyed that process. Like I loved working around residential real estate. And um, you mentioned Erin Helley, you know, earlier this year, her, myself, and two of our other classmates, John Plumstead and Justin Key, came together and we were like, hey, like, let's do this for real. And like, let's put our brains together and see, you know, how we can build our portfolios um, and really grow our passive income. And we started a company called Grayline Investments. And you know, now, you know, that, that four team, that four person team has grown to uh, about 11 people, including all of our um, staff in the Philippines. And, you know, we're putting about 30 deals under contract a month. So like my story is like wild, like I as army financial services being JP Morgan at a bank. And then last six to eight months, it's just kind of been a roller coaster, but it's awesome. 
That's great. All right, so uh, so when was that first single-family uh, purchase? When did that happen? I feel like it was about two years ago. Um, it's a single-family. It's um, it's in Colleen, Texas. It's uh, And that deal, actually, it was just um, an agent who was uh, another West Pointer um, had brought it up. And, you know, we took a look at it and, you know, I just didn't so quick back of the napkin math. Like I, I had heard about the 1% rule, like, you know, if, if you can clear that rule on a decent, you know, nice single family home, you can typically cash flow. I looked at it. I was like, yeah, it's in a good area. Um, and it cleared it pretty easily. Um, then I ran the numbers and I was like, you know what, I've been reading about getting into real estate for like eight months now, you know, trying to get my feet wet. And, um, I just, that voice in my head was like, just do it, man. Like, you know, just do it. And it's worked out. I still own the home. Um, it's cash flowing. I got a good tenant. They just renewed their lease. Um, but I think it was really important. Like you got to eventually take that first step, right? <laughs> like if you ever want to get 20 properties or 40 or 50, like you, you have to start with one. So I kind of just took the leap and, uh, been trying to accelerate ever since. Yeah. We're, we're big believers in that first deal and, and that it doesn't need to be a home run. Uh, so many people, you know, will sit there and they'll, they'll ready, 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 and aim and aim and aim. And they never, they never pull the trigger. Um, and sometimes it's better to just listen rather than trying to buy a, uh, have a fourplex or a, a multifamily apartment deal be your first deal. Just, you know, buy a single family home, uh, yeah. in, in a market where that's not going to kill you if, if it goes bad. Um, and Colleen is a, you know. Uh, Colleen, I know that, you know, Fort Hood's there. It's a big army base. Fort Hood's not going away. Uh, we invest in, in Fayetteville outside of Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg's not going away. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you kind of know, you know, you, you may, may not make you rich, uh, but it's at right. least going to get you started. You're going to get your feet wet and, uh, and it's not going to kill you if something goes wrong. Um, yeah. what, so um, what was the purchase price on that first deal? Um, $91,000, I believe it was. Um, and, uh, you know, it rents for nine fifty, and I think it'll be a thousand on the new lease. I've been so busy. I'm honestly not doing the best job keeping track of my personal investments because our company has been so crazy. Yeah. Um, so it, that's decent. It's not like, um, it's not cash flowing like crazy. Like it's, it's like a, it's a single. You know, yep. a single, maybe a double, not a home run. Yep. Um, but I we did, we did capture some equity on the purchase. So on the back end, I think we'll get treated pretty, pretty fairly. Like the homes around that are all selling for like 120 to 128, you know? So yeah. in that market, that's good, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I don't think any of your listeners are going to be like, wow, what an amazing investment. But I mean, <laughs> it's better than, you know, nothing, right? Yep. And you bought it off of the MLS. Was it rent ready pretty much when you bought it? It was, it was vacant. Um, it was a motivated seller. It was, it was kind of like a failed listing scenario. Like it had been listed for an extended period of time. Um, and no one had bought it. Um, the couple had to move out of the home due to some extenuating circumstances. So, you know, now that I'm a wholesaler and a flipper, I'm like, that is the motivated seller. Like that's one version of a motivated seller. So, um, I kind of fell into that, um, without really knowing what I was doing, but that was a situation. So the agent, um, who is an acquaintance of mine just reached out and said, Hey, I know you're looking to get your first investment, um, under your belt. So how about you take a look at this, which, which goes to another point is, um, when you're first getting started, like tell people what you're interested in and what you're doing, because I wasn't, although I was actively searching for homes all the time, like that really was just, um, a result of me 
telling dozens and dozens of people like, yeah, I'm trying to get interest, you know, into investing in real estate. I want to be a single family landlord at that point in time. And, um, you know, then the universe came back to me <laughs> with the deal. So that was, that was actually really what made that happen. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I, and I'm guilty of this is being a little bit shy about investing, you know, and, and I don't know what it is. It's, uh, I don't know, people are shy about talking about money or you just don't want to feel like you're bragging or, you know, you don't want to deal with people telling you, oh, you know, real estate is, uh, you know, it's a terrible time to buy real estate and, and getting, having get into that conversation. Um, but it's absolutely true. And uh, one of the things that we've certainly found with our podcast is that the more we talk about it, you know, we have people reaching out to us all the time and um, both with an interest in investing and also, you know, coming to us with deals and saying, Hey, you know, I heard you invest in self-storage. Um, you know, I had this, I had this uh, store. I drove, I drive by this storage facility every day and it looks terrible and, and uh, you know, but, but, uh, but it's totally full, you know? And um, yeah, I, I, uh, I had a recent experience where um, like telling people what you want to do or putting things out to the universe, like had an immediate uh, result for us. So we, in our business, we, we came to the conclusion we needed to raise a significant amount of money. And for us, a significant amount is like a million dollars, $2 million. Sure. Um, we're not like buying gigantic apartment buildings where you raise, you know, 500. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, I followed a program that Bill Allen put together. He's the CEO of uh, blackjack real estate and seven figure flipping. And he uh, ran like a 500K private money raising challenge in July. And I was like, I'm just going to join it because, you know, coincidentally, we needed to do that. And basically all it was, was a forcing function to make me like post on social media every day, tell people what I'm doing, what investments I offer, what I'm going to do with the money, how I can secure returns, what I'm offering, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I started out with the goal of 500 and we reached the million dollar point you know, 22, 23 days in. And that was just because when you, when you are that aggressive and you blitz like almost every day and tell people what you want, like my Instagram, which started getting, you know, direct messages like, Hey, you know, I know a dude that, you know, does private money lending. Do you want to meet him? And then like two weeks in, you got all these meetings in your calendar. So like now, you know, I'm of the mindset, like if you have a goal, like don't be quiet about it at all. Right. There's an amazing number of people out there that can help you and want to help you, right? Like they're going to benefit from that relationship just like I am, right? So you want to find as many of those people as you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what did you end up having to put down on that uh, that first single family home? And I want to get to, we're definitely, I want to get into the capital raising because um, that's that's a pretty incredible story. I, I, I know you're saying, it's like, ah, oh, we only had to raise a million, but for a lot of people, that's a significant amount of money. Uh, but what did you have to bring? Did you have to bring 20% down to that first deal? Well, the first deal was my own personal one. Um, so at, at that point, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I, I think I bought it. I think I brought like 20% in or something cash and bought it like the non-scalable way, you know, but it's, that's, which is fine. Right. That's how yeah. I got started. Yep. I didn't know other ways to do it. Um, now we do it a little bit differently, but I think I brought like, I don't know, around $20,000, including closing costs, you know, to the table um, and just closed it the old fashioned way. Um, but, you know, now we're, we're trying to be a little bit more sophisticated using other people's money you know, if we're, if we have to buy a deal cash, we'll take it down with private money. Um, if we can buy something on creative terms, we'll do that. And, but that's, that's a longer conversation to see if we have, have time for it. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, you know, you, 
uh, you know, because you, you've said a lot of you said a lot of things. You've talked about um, VAs in the Philippines. You've talked about how many you're taking how many deal, how many deals down a month right now. Uh, for September, we had 30 homes under contract. Gotcha. Just over 30. Okay. And are what are you? How are you disposing of those? Are you just uh, flipping the contracts? Are you uh, turning them into rentals? What What are you doing with them? We have a mix of exit strategies. I'd say 80% of them we're wholesaling right now. Um, so we're we're assigning those contracts to other investors um, that we've networked with in the different cities we operate in. Um, we do what we call wholetailing, which is um, we buy it with private money in our case. So we'll go to an investor and say, hey, I need X amount of dollars to buy this home. I'll pay you this interest rate. And my plan is I'm going to buy the home and then almost immediately resell it, right? So our goal is buy homes at a discount. You know, and that works for any strategy, right? If you get it at the right price, you can drive a lot of different you know, ways to make money. Um, so we'll wholetail it. And then most recently, we started doing what's called lease options, which is we'll put the home under contract and then we'll market it as a rent to own. And we'll find a tenant that will essentially pay an option fee um, and they have the right to buy that property at, the, at an agreed upon purchase price. And generally, those contracts are around two years long. So we'll say, hey, you know, Joe Smith, you can rent the home for two years and at any point over the next two years, you can buy it for hundred thousand yep. dollars. Right. And that's, that's like a mixed strategy. Like that's a way for us to ensure that we get the price we want. So we have equity spread and we can cash flow during the time period um, that the home is, uh, is being rented. And, you know, a simple way to, that's a complicated strategy, but a simple way to look at it is if a home is going to cash flow well as a regular single family rental, it likely can also cash flow well as a lease option. You know, like yeah. it's like the same style of house in a lot yeah. of cases. That's how one way we simplify it um, to our team. Well, and it also, the nice thing about it is now you're not a landlord. You're a note holder. You, you hold right. a note. Well, and so if the, you know, and the, the, the owner, the lease, you know, the leasee, you know, has their building, hopefully equity and re, you know, rebuilding their financial situation so that they can buy it later. And then if something goes wrong, you're not getting, you know, a call in the middle of the night with the person going, Hey, the toilet's overflowing. Cause it's their, they own it. Well, there's two ways to do it, right? So you could do it um, as what's called a mortgage wrap, which in that case, they are paying you down their loan, right? Which is what you're saying. And they are, they, they indeed the property, they have it. In our primary strategy, we're essentially leasing it to them. But, um, and it's, it's kind of standard on those contracts that we're responsible for maintenance for the first 30 days for pretty much the entirety of the house. But after the 30 day mark, that warranty expires and we're responsible for like big ticket items, the roof, foundation, you know, floors caving in. Like, yeah, we're gonna come in and cover that for our lease, leasee. But if, you know, there's a hole in the wall because someone punched it or something, like that's them, you know? So um, that's how our contracts typically work. But um, in the lease option scenario, they're not paying down principal. That rent is, is coming in as rent until they buy the house, you know? So it's, it's kind of like a hybrid. I got you. I got you. Um, so what, um, what markets are you typically operating in? Uh, the, I know that, uh, Aaron Helley was very big in Tennessee. Is that where you guys are still yeah. operating? We we're in uh, Clarksville, which is where she's really heavy. Um, but, uh, we're in a lot of different cities. The majority of them are military bases. Um, 
And there's a few reasons for that. And I think they're starting to become more popular in the single family space because people are seeing that, you know, one in a normal market, one third of the single family homes would be a rental, typically, maybe less. In a military housing market, it's kind of like two thirds. So there is a just huge mass of rentals. And that's for a couple of reasons. You know, military personnel, they're deploying, they're moving constantly. You know, no one stays in the same job for more than three to four years. And even that's kind of a long time for a service member. I was in the army and I, I think in five years I had four jobs, right? That's just kind of par for the course. I moved a million times. So you end up with tons of transient population, tons of turnover, which creates a plethora of investment properties. Um, and because the, um, the military homeowners and the military renters are subsidized by the government, they all get a housing stipend. It keeps like the, the rental rates at a nice floor, right? Like it's not going to appreciate like Las Vegas where you live, but it's also not going to see mass levels of depreciation. So I think um, if there's like a like equivalent in the investment world, that's like the re bond equivalent of this in the single family housing market. Right. Um, but I think in this environment with all the, you know, uncertainty and craziness that's going on in the world, people are speculating that liquidity might become a problem next year. Like I look at them as great investments, um, especially if you can go into Clarksville or Fayetteville where appreciation still is, is, is there it's prevalent, yeah. but that floor is also there too. So I, I love that stuff. Yeah. No, it's uh, I'm a big uh, follower of uh, Nicholas Nassim Tlaib. And if you've ever read any of his books, uh, Anti-Fragile, Black Swan and a lot, he, he talks an awful lot about um, protecting your downside is really, right. you know, uh, a bigger deal than than finding an upside, you know, um, mm-hmm. and Warren Buffett also, you know, the first rule of investing is don't lose money. You know, second rule of investing is see See rule rule number two, you know, and so when you're looking to for a market to invest in, you know, uh, I know people that invest in, you know, boom and bust markets, you know, L.A., San Francisco, and I'm I'm too scared. I got my money's too scared for that kind of thing, Uh, and I'd much rather have the slow and steady, you know, uh, where I'm I can I know I can make twelve to fourteen percent on my money. Uh, but I, I'm pretty much assured that I'm not going to lose money. Right, right. And that's one way to do it. The, the other way to also almost to hedge against losing money is, you know, and especially in the single family space, just don't buy things for way less than what they're worth, you know, <laughs> like that. And, and you know, there's no other way to cut it. In the single family environment, like that is the way to do it, you know? So however you do that is up to you, but it's, you know, are you going to partner with a wholesaler? Do you have an agent that has pocket listings or listings that not everyone is seeing? Because once it hits the MLS or Zillow, it's all bets are off, right? You're paying the market price. Yeah. Um, you know, or are you going to market it yourself, which is what we do? Like we spend money on texting people and signs being placed everywhere, advertisements, pay-per-click, Google, all like we pay for that stuff. And that's how we get things cheap. But you don't have to do that, but you got to find a way to do it if you're going to be able to scale in our business, you know? Yeah. Well, and it really comes down to, you know, again, it comes down to finding a, a property that has distress, motivation, and flexibility. Um, and you're not not going to typically find that on on the MLS. You know, typically if some if a property has reached the MLS, the problem person probably the problem they're probably not all that distressed. Uh, they may mm-hmm. be motivated, 
Um, you know, but they're also not going to be all that flexible because they've got, you know, buyers coming at them left and right, you know, who are, who are willing to pay retail prices. Exactly. Exactly. We, we sometimes will come across a for sale by owner or a failed listing that was on the MLS. Um, but other than that, we haven't out of any of the homes we put under contract this year for gray line. That's it. No other home in the MLS has come into our business. Gotcha. And you're, you're primarily dealing directly with the owners, correct? Yeah. Uh, the, actually the, the number one lead generating, um, source for us is text. We actually, um, we, we text essentially landlords, um, and homeowners or that are, that are renting out their homes. And we, uh, we acquire those lists, um, via an application called prop, excuse me, prop stream. And we directly market to them. And, you know, we're very upfront about it. We're like, Hey, you know, we, uh, we acquire homes either cash or via creative financing. Um, you know, if you're interested in closing or moving forward in the next 30 days or so, reach out, you know, let us know. Um, it's very informal and, you know, that's not going to work uh, in most case scenarios. So our business is a volume game, you know, for every thousand messages we send out, we might close one deal. Right. So if you want to do 30 a month, you know, multiply that by 30. Right. So it's like 30,000 messages minimum. Um, and that's, that can be expensive. So that's a, that's a time commitment. And that is definitely a, a capital commitment to uh, start doing that. Yeah. And what, uh, what sort of percentage would you say response rate are, are you guys getting from your text campaigns? Uh, I haven't looked in about a month. It's, it's generally like 10% or less in terms of response um, or a response that, you know, you actually count as a response. A lot of the times we get people like, Hey, delete my number, leave me alone, never call me back. Or even worse than that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know people, people don't like being reached out to. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we, we get a good amount of responses. Um, I, I think it's around 10%, but, but we're closing way less than that. Right. Like, like by the time, you know, things get in the funnel and it gets very narrow by the time things get under contract. Yeah. And so, you know, you're sending out, let's say 30,000 texts a month. Is that about right? Um, it was, it was around 30,000 this month. We're going to send closer to 200,000 um, because we are, we, we've been in 10 cities and um, we decided this month, like, we're really going to put our foot on the gas. Like, so now we're expanding into three different cities. We're going to Pensacola, um, just waiting for everyone to, you know, that situation to play itself out. We don't want to be bombarding people in the middle of a hurricane. So we were going to do that last week. We're going to do it this week. Uh, we expanded to San Antonio. We're in Savannah. Um, and we're headed towards a national wholesaling operation. You know, we started in military bases and we realized that we can, we can probably lift and place our process anywhere we want. The way that we pick our cities is um, we created a very unsophisticated model, but it basically says, here's a number of landlords. Um, here's uh, you know, the appreciation levels in that city over a certain period of time. So th those are two criteria points we look at. And in order to make sure that we can exit the properties correctly, we look at, because um, we're primarily a wholesale company still, we also look at the number of cash buyers in a market and we look at the number of flippers, right? They're not always the same thing. And we kind of came up with a mathematical equation to prioritize of which cities we hit. Um, and Pensacola, in our case, came up and it was like, oh, that's a, that's a really good city in terms of all those ratios. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're going to keep going down the list until, uh, you know, we want to, our, we're, we're, our goal is to be the number one off-market dealer in the country. Like, that's a big goal. And we're, you know, we're pretty far away from that today. 
we were a lot further five months ago. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's where we're trying to go. Yeah. And how are, what are you using to send out your masses of of texts? We use an application called Lead Sherpa. Um, and uh, so the, what we do is for that particular process, we get all the data, um, like the housing data from PropStream. Then we use Lead Sherpa to skip trace, which is essentially get all your your how, your home information, your ten thousand homes. Skip tracing is the process of getting the emails and phone numbers associated with those homes. And then we use Lead Sherpa to actually push out the texts as well. Um, and uh, I think John, our acquisitions lead, just I think he just got on their board. I know that he was discussing it. I think he just got on their board like last week. Great company, like awesome, awesome service from Lead Sherpa. Like there's a bunch of tech services out there, but I can't say enough about how awesome they've been for our business. Yeah, no, I, I so. I have for the rental properties that I do own, it's probably someone like you who sends me a text once a week saying, Hey, uh, I'm interested in buying your property at, at blah, 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 you know, Timberwood, you know, uh, right. Yeah. And you tell them, go away, leave me alone. Yeah. And I'm just, well, sometimes I'll, I'll be nice and say, Hey, listen, I I'm a real estate investor. I know what you're doing. Uh, we just bought it. It's renovated, you know, unless you want to pay full retail for it, uh, you know, it's right. probably take me off your list. And, and most of the time they're, I'm, I'm nice typically cause I, I, I know what they're doing, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, and what is, uh, you know, what do you think it's costing you per lead to, uh, to close on a deal? With oh market, man, with I have marketing? to get my cape. It varies a lot. We, uh, by channel, um, cold calling has been our cheapest one. It's been, like a couple bucks and like pay-per-click because we just started using it. And that's something that kind of gets better over time, which is essentially like when people go into Google or do some searches in their area, like they want gray line to pop up. That's what we're paying for. Yeah. That we only got a couple leads last month. So it was crazy expensive. It was like, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, like almost like a thousand. Uh, but I think we're, we're closer to like 40 to $60 uh, per lead, I think per month. Um, but I have to double check. I, I honestly, I should have all these numbers in front of me and like in my brain all the time because I'm the CEO of the company, but we're so young. We're also like straight behind in terms of, you know, bookkeeping and KPI tracking. So like not making an excuse, we got to get there, but I, I believe it's somewhere around there. Well, you know, I think you guys are also, uh, you know, you're a lot of your former military, former officers, you know, it's just sort of like, Hey, just get started doing it and we'll kind of figure out the details later. Get moving forward first, and and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, our uh, philosophy in the company is ready, fire, aim. You know, because <laughs> so, I mean, the transactions in real estate move so quickly off market. Like it's you know, the, from the day that you speak to a seller, you could be closing in twenty days. So there has to be a little bit of risk tolerance and uh, act. You know, you gotta fly by the seat of your pants once in a while, right? Yep. Yep. And. Um, Furthermore, you get good at one strategy. We started getting good at marketing and then buying things cash or putting them under contract for cash and selling them cash. And then very, very quickly, we're like, okay, let's learn how to do a deal with seller financing, you know? Yep. And we'll talk about that and we'll do it in 10 days later. Like we'll, so I think the strength of our company is we are not scared to educate ourselves. We'll even pay for education and training and then we'll go out and do it right away. Um, one, we did a, uh, we spent a little bit of money on a course called the 8020 Investor Academy, mm-hmm. which is all about creating systems um, as an investor and processes so that you can kind of manage at a strategic level and not be, you know, focused on 
fixing doorknobs, you know, or like, cause I'm really, you know, like a $5, we call it a $5 an hour task. I want to get rid of as many of those as possible and be focused on $10,000 an hour task, right. Or whatever that number is for your business. And that was a life-changing training because I was totally doing that. You know, I was making every phone call, following up on every maintenance issue, all this and that and the other, even for the gray line homes. Um, and that completely changed our mindset. And that's really, then we were thinking, okay, now I know how to scale. You know, now that we're getting good at not doing mundane stuff and doing important things in our day to day, like that's when our business really took off. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's such a challenging, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. There are so many things that I'm still doing right now that I absolutely should not be doing. I need to, I need to just bite the bullet and, and hand it off to somebody else who, you know, it's a $5 an hour job. Um, but it, one of the things you have to be careful with too, is that you, you need to be pretty organized with how you've been doing it before you try and hand it off to somebody. Otherwise it's just going to be a disaster. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people, you know, who've any, anybody who's ever tried to delegate a job and just gone, ah, I'm just going to do it myself. It's probably, chances are, it's probably because you weren't all that organized with how you were doing it. And then you tried to hand it off to somebody and they just went, uh, okay, here you go. Yeah, totally. Like it, in our business, marketing is is what makes it run, right? Because marketing techniques is how we bring homes into our business. And we have now people that do that. We have a sales team and an acquisitions team. But if you just hired someone and said, hey, you know, go find homes, like they're going to look at you and say, hey, hey man, like I'm going to, they're not, they're not going to be able to help you. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. So for us, we spent, I think from April to the end of July, we spent a ton of time taking the things that we learned and just putting them down in processes, right? If you go onto our Google Drive, there's flow charts, we have call scripts, we have processes for once something's under contract, what has to happen in the middle, like with the title companies and the lawyers and insurance, like all that stuff is in either a flow chart or a Word document or a PowerPoint. And, you know, if you come into our company, you can just follow that straight down, right? Like to the point where, we're probably a little overkill. Like even in those documents, there's like hyperlinks to videos where like I'm explaining how to do it. You know, so we're we're kind of like SOP or, or operating procedures on steroids. Yeah. But you know, yeah. we we get to delegate it. You know, yes. we get to actually delegate some of the work. Yeah, that's to me. It's very it's very much an army thing. My good friend uh, Alex Felice, who uh, who lives in Fayetteville now. That's absolutely how he is. He's like, listen, you know, you, you eventually you may need to hand it off to a, an, an eight, a 17 or eight year, eight, 18 year old kid who's just out of boot camp, and you want him to be able to do it right. And so, you know, you got to explain it, right. you know, uh, do you use any tools or anything like that besides Google drive to kind of, um, help, you know, create those videos and SOPs? I, uh, yeah. Um, well, Google drive has all the PowerPoint and Excel attachments. Um, they call it Google sheets and Google presentation, but it's all the same stuff. We just use that. But, um, I like to use loom, um, which is, a, a I think it's a very simple like, tutorial video recording, um, application. I love using loom. Um, cause it, you can put like a little, you know, um, circle on the bottom left of the screen. It's your face. So you can kind of sh like show your face to your team while you're teaching them some, something and it's showing your screen, which is a nice quality 
Um, super easy to use. I, I love Loom. Yep. No, I'm. I just started. We learned about Loom from. Uh, Neil Bawa on a previous uh, episode where we interviewed him and I've been using, I'm using, using the hell out of it. So love it. Highly recommend. Yeah. Um, other, from, um, other, go go sorry. Yeah. Another recommendation I was going to make um, for CRM or customer relationship management, which is like in real estate it's where people mostly put their leads or their assets under management in there. And just to keep track of everything. Um, and a lot of people use Podio uh, people use Asana um, we, we came across monday.com, um, which I think is an amazing tool. I think it's so flexible. I think if you're in real estate or if you work in have an Amazon business or whatever it is you do, I think the tool can kind of like change around your business. And I love that tool. Like I, if anyone's using Podio for free, that's great. But if your business gets big enough and bigger and bigger and bigger, and you need to like get more organized and you're willing to spend a little bit of money. I 100% recommend using Monday. Right. And is it uh, is it sort of CRM plus project management kind of? I've I've played around with it a little bit, but I can't re- recall exactly what it's, it does. It, ha- it has a million different templates for like what your desktop or what your view is going to be when you log in. Um, CRM is one of them. It has like assets under management views or property management views. It's got a tons of different stuff. But the main thing I like is even if there's not a view built for you. You can customize every column. You can move everything around. Like you could build your own board, you know, and all your own automations. So you could say, hey, on my um, pipeline board, if something moves to close or under contract, it'll automatically move to my other board that my other team manages. And you can build all those integrations out yourself. Super easy. So it's um, with a little bit of effort. I think it's, it's fantastic. That's great. That's great. So you guys, who are you? You're in buyers. You mentioned you know you're doing some lease options. You're doing some mortgage wraps. Um, who are are you wholesaling or wholesaling to a lot of other investors and house flippers and things like that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's mostly local, um, which is is interesting because we're we're kind of a national wholesaling company, but we ninety percent of the time we're selling to like your local flipper flipper handyman type person. Um, so, which we want to get to the point where we're selling to more national, like out of state buyers, cause that'll make our life easier. But yeah, it's, it's typically people that are, you know, familiar with the market. Um, they've flipped homes nearby. A lot of times we'll say, we'll, we'll try to pull a list and say, okay, who in this list, who on this list has flipped a home in that subdivision that this house is in? Like, you know, and we'll, we'll try to find them and give them a phone call. Cause yeah. that's going to be the best buyer for us is someone who's already active and familiar with that area. That's already turned to profit. You know, they're going to come back and do it again. Um, and another thing that is making us unique is we started offering financing um, to our buyers as well, right? Because our, our deals are all cash purchases. Um, so a lot of those times someone buys those with what's called hard money, right? Which is like a short-term, hard, short-term, high interest rate loan. And in some cases we've lent um, to buyers to allow them to close the transaction and uh, we're forming a partnership with an additional lender now so that they can come in and partner with us on deals. So we can just say, introduce them to our buyer. Our buyer knows what the terms are going to be before they get into that conversation. So we're not wasting anybody's time. And then we can close and we can get all that done in two to three weeks. So we're, we're trying to build that in to uh, entice buyers as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how are you, um, you know, the wholesaling can be... Uh, 
I've had good and bad experience with wholesalers uh, that, you know, there's a lot of people who get into the business who here, it's a great way to get into the business because, you know, well, you don't need any money to get into it, which is to me, not true because you typically to be successful, you got to have a marketing budget. Uh, and that's usually the yeah. biggest thing. Um, but the other issue that I run across is that a lot of wholesalers are inexperienced and they don't really know what a good deal looks like and they'll get a house under contract and they're just, it's not a deal. It's not, you know, right. there's, there's just nothing. So how are you guys going about qualifying um, whether or not a house that you're you know, going to take under contract is a deal or not? Well, we, we try to keep our underwriting simple um, right now for a cash purchase purchase. We will offer 70% of the ARV or the resale value of that home market value. And that we'll top it out at that, you know, and we'll then go do our walkthroughs and renegotiate as needed. Right. But our, our thought, you can't make it so complicated at the beginning or like have so many if thens for your acquisition team or you're never going to close it to you. Right. So that's where wholesalers struggle with the balance. Sometimes you'll see wholesalers pay up to 80% of the resale value and they'll, they'll get greedy because they want to get more and more deals, deals in their funnel. And, and it hurts them, right? Because then they have a lot of product that they can't sell to an investor. Because like you said, they got a bad deal. Um, one thing we're doing to combat that is we're, we're stopping our cash offers at 70%. But if we want to put a home under contract, we'll go to a creative financing if we can't get them down to that price. So we'll say, okay, um, do you own the home cash? Or how much, how much equity do you have in the home? If they, have, if they own almost all the home, we'll say, okay, well, how about we offer you closer to you know, what you want in price? Well, we'll just pay you in monthly installments for the next five years, right? And then we'll we'll just sell it a little bit differently on the back end, um, so that everybody can win. So I think um, without getting too far into it, like the message is like keep your underwriting strict. Don't like waver too much. Like make sure you're getting good deals, but put more tools in your toolkit. You know, if you're only doing cash, you're you're eventually gonna get eaten up by iBuyers like Zillow or Open Door, all these other companies that are coming in. They're gonna going to cut your margins and you're going to be done in the next five to 10 years. It's not going to last. I yeah, don't think. Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a little bit about how you, some of the things you got educated on, we talked about, you know, the, the 80, 20 investor Academy. Um, is there anything, any other thing that you learned to do that you feel like before that you didn't know beforehand that you had to learn how to do to be successful? Um, sales. I, uh, I was in consulting and consulting is kind of like sales, but not really. Um, <laughs> but we invested in sales training for our whole team. And that is like, that is huge. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur in general, you gotta be, you're selling all the time, right? Especially in real estate. If you're raising money, you're speaking to a buyer, speaking to a seller. If you're syndicating, you're speaking to investors, right? You're putting things together and um, it's not, the decks and all that other stuff that closes the deal. It's, it's understanding what people want and bringing it to them. Right. And then making sure your business is set up to deliver that, right. Yeah. That's sales, you know, and then once you get good at sales and your marketing can start picking up. Right. But it's all about relationships. Um, that's, that's the one thing. I think the other thing I'm realizing is um, it's a lot of hard work. Like there's a lot of people that want to get into real estate because it's an awesome job and it's an awesome asset class to be involved in, but because a lot of people are involved in it, it's very competitive, you know, so you got to work really hard. Um, but I think 
I think six months to a year of really, really, really hard work can be more valuable than three to five years of decent work. So yeah. that's kind of how we look at it. Yeah. I, I've always described it. Part of it is, as, as um, you know, when you work a W2 job, the harder you work, the harder you work. Um, whereas right. when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times the harder you work, the more money you make. Um, yes. and you know, so, it, and, it, and with real estate, one of the things I like about it is it's sort of like, I look at it as, um, you know, like I'm making a little piece of coal, uh, to put into a, a coal fire and that coal fire continues to burn and, you know, and it just continues to burn. And the more I can make and the more I can put into that little fire and the, the longer they burn, uh, the better I'm going to be. Yeah, exactly. It's a flywheel. You know, you keep pushing, keep pushing. And that acceleration, there's a lot of momentum in entrepreneurship. Yeah. The downside is like for me, I, I just had a kid seven days ago and you know, I'm still working, right? Like <laughs> there's no paternity to leave no. <laughs> in your own startup. You know, it's, you stop working, the machine can slow down, you know? Yeah. So you got to yeah. keep a foot on the gas, but yeah. you got to well, love con- it. Yeah, well, congratulations and my deepest sympathies. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Can't yeah. No, no, it's extra motivation. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, but it you you know I, I hate if anybody who's not listened to this, uh, you know, you look good, man, but you look tired. You need to get some rest. Yeah, I am a little tired. <laughs> I'm a little tired. I, uh, we're definitely short on sleep in our household, but I bet. all good. I bet. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about time because that's one of the big things that we uh, we often talk about. You know, you have you still have a W two job. Uh, how much of your time is, is committed to, uh, your real estate endeavors each week? Um, right now a lot. It's, um, we, uh, I've gotten out of the hustle part of this company, which is calling people, you know, texting, cold calling. I've gotten out of that, but we're still not in the spot where it's automated completely. And it's like running itself. And maybe it never is really. Um, so I'm, I'm up early. So I wake up early in the morning, you know, five o'clock, sometimes earlier. I'm typically using that time to read, educate myself, because that's obviously important. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to read all the time. It's just part of the gig. It's um, it's part of the work. Then I'll, you know, do a lot of the gray line emails, follow-ups, our Slack channel, be sending out messages early in the morning, um, do my W-2 job during the day, you know, 8.30 to 5, whatever. And um, then I'll go back on at night. I'll basically spend some time with the family, put the kids down or the, the one daughter down. The, the other baby is just going to cry all night because it's a new baby. Yeah, yeah. And um, but typically, you know, 730 rolls around. I'm back on calls. We run a mastermind. I go on that. You know, we'll do uh, RIA meetings, meetup.com type stuff. I, I reserve all that time for that, like the some of the outward facing marketing. And then. Then at the end of the day, I try to get like an hour, hour and a half to spend time with the wife and go to bed. So that's a, that's a busy day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so you're, you know, that, that sounds to me like another full-time job nearly. Is it? Yeah. Nearly? Right now. Yeah. I'd say so. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely a full-time job for, I'm not passive yet. I have passive assets, Yes, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it a, a full-time thing. You yes. Know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so you, you mentioned you read a lot. Are there any books you've read recently that, you know, you thought uh, you find yourself recommending a lot? Um, yeah. I mean, a time, time-tested time book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I somehow made it all the way to 33 years old and without reading that book. And I uh, finished it, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's probably the most important book I've ever read. Um, and it's not real estate-centric really at all, yeah. but it's just 
you know, in terms of leading a company and dealing with people in sales, it's just so awesome. It's an amazing book. Um, I'm reading, um, I think Russell Branson's the name of the author, Expert Secrets, which is a marketing centric book. Um, again, not real estate centric, but it talks about like how to grow your sales funnels. And it's an amazing book. It's really, really good. And then another recommendation I have is a book called um, Turning Pro, um, which is, is not about real estate either. Um, I think a lot of your audience is probably on the bigger pocket stuff. They all read like the core real estate books. I've read those yeah. too. Yeah. Turning Pro talks about um, how to kind of turn from like an employee mindset or like, and just become like a professional at what you do. Like how do you become dedicated and like, just kind of go for it. And, uh, and I think because of where I'm at in my life, I had the W2 job, but I've been passionate about this for a long time. That book, like really from a mindset perspective, changed the way I look at things. So those are three recommendations I have that are, I think are awesome. Those are great. Um, well, Frank, where, you know, if somebody wants to find out more about you and what you guys are up to, what would be the best way for them to uh, reach out and find out more about you? I mean, I'll put my email out there. You know, I'm Frank at graylineinvestments.com with uh, gray is spelled G-R-A-Y. Um, we also have a uh, Grayline Investments Instagram page. If you just type in Grayline Investments, we'll pop up. Um, and my whole team has access to that. Um, we have a couple of different websites graylineinvestments.com, graylinehomebuyers.com. Um, any of those channels um, will be accessible. Um, and then on our graylineinvestments.com website, you can actually sign up to be on our buyers list. You can sign up for our webinars to join our masterminds. Like all that stuff is out there and um, we directly monitor it every day. So very, we're very easy to get in touch with. Okay. Well, that's a good, that's a good thing to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, Frank, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today. And uh, it was great talking to you, my friend. Thank you, sir. And, Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And good luck with the new baby. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, that was Frank Scapatici from Grayline Investments. It was wonderful uh, meeting him and meeting another member of uh, Aaron Helley's uh, team. Uh, for me, the, the key lesson learned here was to talk to everyone about what it is that you are doing and what it is that you're looking for. It's very, you know, I'm guilty of this, of being kind of shy about my investing thing. And I don't know why, you know, it's just people are uh, maybe, you know, like I said, we're worried about uh, what people, you know, having to, to explain why we're investing in real estate or why we're doing this. Um, uh, to people who are maybe, you know, more skeptical. Um, but it, it's important to tell everyone, you know, Hey, I buy self storage. Uh, we're looking for uh, any facility under 35,000 square feet, uh, more than 10,000 square feet. Uh, that's got room to expand. We prefer it to be in the uh, North Carolina, South Carolina market. And, uh, you know, and just tell everybody that, you know, tell, you know, you're standing in line at the grocery store, you know, Hey, how you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I buy self storage. You know, I, I'm, I'm halfway joking, but that's kind of what it, you know, that's kind of what it involves. Um, so, uh, what was the key piece of knowledge that, uh, Frank said he had, that he had to learn? He said sales, um, sales is so key for people who are entrepreneurs. You're always selling in some way. Um, uh, I, I once heard somebody describe sales is leadership when leadership is leading a buyer to what they, what they already want. 
Uh, it doesn't mean you're tricking someone um, into buying something. All you're trying to do is lead them to the thing that they already want. And a lot of times that's literally finding out what it is they want um, and then leading them to that. Um, but uh, it, it reminded me that I probably need to, to go out and get some sales training. So uh, how much money did it take him to get started in his chosen niche? Uh, it was about $20,000. He bought a uh, $91,000 single family home in Killeen, Texas. Uh, and he bought it off of the MLS. Uh, and it cost about $20,000 uh, to uh, for the down payment and close on that. Um, how much time does he spend on his real estate endeavors now? Uh, this is a full-time job in addition to his W-2 and uh, and being a, a dad, especially to a one-week-old uh, baby. God, God help him. Uh, but I can I can say that uh, that's been very much my experience as well. Uh, I work my W-2 job, and then I come home and I work this job as well. And uh, the nice thing is, is that payoff is, is going to be bigger than uh, your W-2 job someday. So. Um, could they do this strategy from anywhere in the world? I would say yes. Uh, he lives in New York. They invest in, in Texas and uh, Tennessee and North Carolina, and uh, they are planning to go nationwide. So, okay, that was once again, that was Frank Scappatini. <clears throat> once again, it was Frank Scappatici from Grayline Investments. Uh, you can check them out at graylineinvestments.com and uh, find out more about them. And uh, we'll doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.